Hello again, and welcome to the next episode of Outcomes. I'm your host, Barrett King, and I think it's been a little while. I think it's been, at this point, maybe a few weeks since I last episode. Forgive me, team. I changed jobs. I changed a little bit of an industry flip, and because of that, have been slightly MIA on you all, and I hope you forgive me. Your DMs are not unnoticed. Um, that said, I wanted to come back with a little bit of flair. I've got somebody I'm pretty fired up about. Will is the head, chief ninja in charge, and overarching person that runs partnerships over at Reveal. Now, super awesome dude. He's on the show for the first time, and I'm fired up about this. So my friend, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to, to chat. And uh, if it helps out the ecosystem, then I'm doing my job right. That's all that matters, right? Crushing it. Are you... Um, so let's talk about this first and foremost. Like, let's level set on this. Are you a fan of partnerships? Do you live partnerships? I have I actually never asked that question, but I'm curious because I'm going to ask you what partnerships mean to you in a second. So I want to hear that first. I am a big fan of partnerships. So once I got exposure to the partner function in a business, I quickly realized one, it's really awesome working with partners. You know, they're very motivated. The excitement is usually pretty high. And two, the impact on the business is pretty profound. And so for me, when I started thinking about planning my career, I figured, well, if this has a big impact on a business, then I can probably get paid a good amount of money for it. So I'm going to really lean into this and you know learn as much as I can, create as much content as I can. And so I'm a huge fan of partnerships. And I have a background in psychology, so I just love working with people. And I think partner people are natural connectors. And uh, that's what life's all about, in my opinion. Oh, I like the, the connector piece, humanizing it a little bit. So what does partnerships mean to you then in, in terms of, you talked about obviously impact, you talked about leverage and opportunity. Um, I always think of this expert, um, this, this expression that this guy I used to work for, he was a CRO, he used to always say energy and exclamation points. And I think partnerships really embody that in many ways. But what does partnerships mean to you as a term? What does it mean at its core for you? I would say it means core value for clients is enhanced because the, and the reason I'm specific to that and like the clients is because that's all a business should care about. And that's what partnerships should only care about as well. And so partnership specifically enhances that overall value for the client. And in this current business climate, there's so many technologies and services. And so navigating as, a, let's say, a small business owner or a business owner in general, it's hard to know what tech should I buy? Who should I work with? And so if you can make that much more clear through partnerships to deliver that additional value, I think you're saving and this might be grandiose, but you're saving the world time. And that's going to make, you know, humanity advance a lot faster, you know, at the end of the, the entire value chain. So uh, it's efficient and it focuses on value and it enhances all of that value, which at the end of the day makes the world turn. So I love that we got to this like global perspective immediately. I just, I'm going to put a cape on you with After Effects here and have you fly onto the screen. I Look, there's something really interesting about you know, thinking about the elevated impact that partnerships has and then the scalability of it. When you think about that impact across multiple customers, segments, certainly regions and parts of the world, you know, jokes aside, right? I, I laugh and say this is about, you know, people elevating humanity. But I think in some ways it is because at its core, like you're describing, partnerships should be about helping each other help the customer be better. And obviously, because of that and vicariously, helping each other help one another, right? We're helping our own businesses to that extent, which help our careers. And that cascades down into our families, our lifestyles, and all the things that we do when we're not you know, working and spending time with our, our colleagues. When you talk about and you think about you know, partnerships um, at scale, right? One of the things I'm interested in understanding, 
We talked about this off camera before is the idea of scalability and the idea of templatizing a lot of the work that you do and a lot of the formats that you go to market within. So that's obviously our topic today, folks that are listening. We're going to talk about how we can templatize and how we can mechanize a lot of these behaviors, you know, over the, the course of time across a variety of different elements of the business. So let's level set on that first then. Will, give us an idea how you think about templatizing, how you think about programmatizing a lot of the things that go into making partnerships successful. Yeah, so the biggest sticking point for a lot of partner people and partner programs is being spread too thin so quickly. And so efficiency is truly the name of the game. And so when I think of partnerships, I think of people enablement and company-wide enablement, which is already hard enough as it is. You know, if you come from a sales enablement background, that's tough to motivate sellers to listen to you when they have to be busy selling. And so if you're a partner person and you're doing that across product and marketing and success and sales, it's like, if you don't have things templatedized and processized and really have something clear for yourself and your team, then you're going to be stuck doing that work because you're going to be held accountable for that number and nobody else is going to care about making your number happen, only you do. And so uh, because you are across so many parts of the business, I firmly believe that templates and strict process is a necessary component of good partnerships or else it ultimately won't move the needle and you'll be stuck, you know, again, doing all the work. And so it is a foundational piece for partnerships, in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's something interesting about being intentional in terms of the ability to duplicate something, right? So it's a, a sort of a pioneering role, certainly lately in a lot of organizations. B2B SaaS is a little bit ahead of just general industry trend. But I do think, because I hear it quite a bit from, you know, folks that are on the show and certainly folks that, that I talk to on LinkedIn and just my own peers and friends in general, partnerships is a... It's interesting. We, we say it's up and coming, right? We say it's growing. I think it's a, a newly adopted way to go to market. And because of that, there is a element of the work that we do that is, I think, in some ways experimental and in other ways, certainly uh, it, it's made to be valued um, across, you know, other other companies and such, right? So so-and-so did this really well, therefore we should share with others. When you talk about templatizing, you think about doing that for yourself and your own experience, how do you start? Let's use a framework here, right? So where do you start in terms of whether it's building content, building a roadmap, building a framework that you operated in? I want to hear from your own experience, because obviously you work at you know, an important company in the, the industry right now. You work in a company that maybe we should talk about Reveal2 here, but how you know, you're, you're bringing partner um, folks together, you're bringing the community closer to their customers, you're enabling this flow of information. I imagine a lot of your professional experience in the company you work at feeds into the framework that you use for developing templates and being able to systematize things. So feel free to go left or right. I'll kind of open the door for you and say, if you want to talk about Reveal and how that's helped you learn and certainly do some of that work, I'm glad to have you You know, plug it. It's a great platform. The other side of it obviously would be how you yourself as an individual in this space have grown and learned to start from something. So where does that kick off for you at the onset? Yeah. So I, I can blend the two together with a, a quick story. Great. And so um, Reveal helps you overlap your prospect list with your partner's customer list and vice versa. And it really helps with focus on which accounts should I be working on and which partners should I be working with. And so that focus is a core element of like what I just said, you need to be efficient as a partner person. And so obviously tools are really good for that. But the learning experience that I had was you can have the accounts of who you're focusing on and know which partners you're working with. But once you deploy that to the rest of your team, 
that doesn't mean that they're going to take action just because you say, hey, this partner can help us. You need to further enable those people. And so what I've been experiencing is, um, you know, sellers don't always know how to engage with partners. Uh, you know, even at a partner tech company, we're not perfect at it. You know, we have good reps and, you know, reps who are not as uh, adept at it. And so that requires a lot of enablement. And for me, you know, I'm held accountable for a number. I can't just assume because we live in this space that they're just going to get it. And so I actually over-indexed on the other side where I'm like, well, I kind of need to prove myself and show that, you know, if I'm at this company and it needs to be a really good process, not only for our partners, but also for everyone else internally to continue to build that trust. And so I go as, as low, or maybe not even as low, but like as simple as what is the ask in, you know, the Slack channel or the email that's being sent out? It needs to be crystal clear. It needs to be yes, no questions. And so instead of me just telling my sales reps, hey, this is how you have to do it. I say, hey, copy and paste this because you're not the one who has to do the thinking about this. You're selling. You need to just build pipeline and close deals. Obviously, you need to collaborate with our partners too, but it's on me to make sure that that process is as smooth as possible. And instead of you spending 30 minutes thinking about, oh, what do I say? What should I put in the message? You know, what question should I ask? I've given that for you already. And That's so- That's interesting. We yeah, should, let so me jump in for a second. I, let's yeah. stop on that for a second. Cause I, it's important to talk about the fact that you went to the simplest thing, which is how we communicate. And I, I've talked to folks about perhaps a version of this before where they say things like, well, we have this operating model, which is like solve for the customer, right? I worked at HubSpot for years. So I say solve for the customer. But what does that actually mean? Assume good intent. What does that actually mean? I like this idea of maybe it's empowerment's the right word. Empowerment through this concept of delivering a framework in which to operate in. I myself have done it for what it's worth. I um, The solution architect that works for me right now, she's exceptional. And we observed very quickly early on that the way she interacts with the team is a bit all over the place. We look for some standardization. So we put a prompt into Slack. So anytime someone wants to request help, there's 10 questions they have to answer, some links they have to drop in. It creates predictability and scalability. You're talking about taking that, deploying it into your team and saying, when you interact with a partner, when you interact with your peers, when you talk about this stuff, let's give a standard language to work from. And I, I think that's really fantastic. Where did that come from? It sounds like it was observation for you perhaps, or did you learn that from somewhere? So I've always thought through the lens of a seller. Sellers don't want to use, you know, the assets that marketing gives them because the message that's going to be sent out is, you know, not a sales message. It's a marketing message. So this pre-written right. copy, they're not going to use it. Uh, you know, they don't want to play in another system. They want to work in their CRM, maybe LinkedIn, you know, and then their engagement system uh, for sending out emails and whatnot. Like they don't want to work anywhere else. They don't want to go in another tool. And so when I think of what is a seller's world and I did sales for two years, so I have, you know, some exposure to this. I fell prey to all these things as well, where I'm like, I wanted to work with marketing and I was eager, maybe the most eager out of the sales team. But at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, this message, it, it sucks. Like, uh, I'm not going to use this. I have to rewrite it and I have to do the thinking. And that was uh, a friction point. And so when I think of how does this impact the bottom line, my work with the sales team, I have to think like a seller. And I think marketers should think like sellers too. It shouldn't be uh, that, Again, I'm expecting them to know the play and how they should engage and what language they should use because they're going to second guess themselves. And I have a, a very quick story about this. So I was sure. working with a partner. They were reaching out to our CSMs 
And they said, ah, the CSMs, they're not really engaging. And I said, instead of me going to the CSM and saying, hey, you got to engage with our partner. I said, hey, partner, how are you asking the question? And they said, well, I ask, mm. would you be comfortable making this introduction? And I said, there it is. Would I be comfortable making this introduction? I'm going to think of all the ways why I wouldn't be comfortable because I'm having to figure out this feeling, which is ambiguous. And so, you know, me thinking about how would I write that? I don't know. Do I feel good today? Maybe tomorrow I'll feel comfortable about it. It's very ambiguous and it's not clear what the action is. You know, it's simple. The language is easy to understand, but the actual action and the the next step is is not clear. And so I said, hey, change your ask to, can you make an introduction? Here's some brief in, information as to why. And oh, by the way, here's an email that you can send. They said, great, mm, I'm going to try that. They did it over the next two weeks. And then they said, wow, it was a night and day difference. And the reason was because of the language used, but also I would say most importantly, to empower that CSM, they don't have to do the thinking. They don't need to think about what's the context, what's the message, why am I doing this? Do I feel comfortable about doing it or not? It's not ambiguous, it's clear. And so when I think about these templates, I think through the lens of a seller, because at the end of the day, salespeople, I would say, are the best litmus test on whether or yeah. not what you're actually doing is valuable because they only spend time doing things that are revenue generating. And so if they're not spending time with you, you got to look at why. And it's potentially, most likely, in my opinion, the messaging and the language that's being used. And they don't know the clear path to that goal. And I like to frame it as it should be like a 30 second to three minute task at most, they can do it in between their meetings. It shouldn't be something that they actually have to think about because they're going to say, well, that takes me 30 minutes and I'm not going to do that until next week. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. Um, well, maybe interesting. There's an overlap here. Jill Rowley and I talked about the power of language on the show. It was a long while back. I know you know each other. And what she and I described was the idea of what, you know, specifically around is a partner, somebody like an organization or another business that works with you is a partner, like you hear some folks talk about customers, right? I work at a, a revenue management firm now. We're a partner of HubSpots. So there's a dynamic there. We also partner with our customers. And I was very adverse to that language in the beginning. We, we don't partner with them. We sell to them and then we service them. Truth is actually we don't. We do technically, we technically sell, I guess, in some regards, right? Because I have an advising team that, that is compensated against, you know, outcomes in terms of actually getting new customers. But we have to work with these customers. They have to provide materials and they have to be collaborative. It's a go-to-market role that we're supporting. Therefore, we are a part of their company in some ways. So therefore, it is a partnership. What's fascinating about what you're describing is your level setting on language, you're framing into easy paths of return for both parties. If I ask you for this and I empower you with the tools, you know, to say yes and, and then go and take a tactical outcome-based, you know, motion against it, all of a sudden now you've got an easy way to not just say yes, but then do something with it. There's something really valuable about that. You know, we've got a few minutes left. I'm curious, Will, in your experience then, are there three or four things that you could advise you know, the listeners on that you found really impactful? So it sounds like one of them is observing where these intersections of perhaps ease of streamline, so questions that are being asked between the partner and your organization, how do you templatize that? You talked about templatizing perhaps the way your team then communicates with the partner. So we've got two. I love three. So let's go and find one more. Give one more bit of feedback somebody could use in the way that they go and, you know, build this templated communication style, whether that be a tool that you're using, perhaps, if you're using like, 
the CRM to do it? Is it an email com- you know, component of it or are you using forms? Like, I'm curious, let's bring the technical part of this at the end to wrap it up. What are you using to then do this work itself in the, in the systems architecture you've got? Yeah, so definitely keep a, a log, like one central base of all this information and where those templates are. You know, Google Spreadsheet is a really good place or a Notion if you like working out of that. You know, I, yep. I use Google Sheets, honestly, and I just have my tabs for specific functions. And then I have it categorized based on what is it actually achieving and then what is the the content. And so like tactically create that database for yourself. Um, I haven't adopted it yet. I know there are macros that I think it's like native in either Slack or on, on Macs where you can actually create a macro for yourself where you just push, you know, three buttons and then boom, there's the, you know, 50 word uh, message. Yeah. Definitely try and create something like that if you're, you know, savvy enough, but otherwise just create a bank for yourself. And the last thing uh, in terms of like the tactical, most tactical thing is write the content for them, write the content for them you know, use bullets, use TLDRs, you know, don't make it this essay. Think through the lens of there's a, a really good tool that actually helps to enable this. It's for email specifically, no affiliation with them, but lavender.ai, their tool is oh, yeah. you know pretty good at really shortening down messages. And that's the uh, thought process I take is it should be one sentence per line. And then if I'm doing multiple lines, give it bullets, make your questions, yes, no, and make sure there's a clear CTA uh, on like what the next action is. That is going to drive so much more action with sellers and partners. And so if you have a bank of these, then you can easily deploy them to, again, your sellers, your partners in whatever medium you're working within, Slack, email, et cetera. And when you create that content for them, I can tell you, like I have so many examples from, hey, you know this person, send this email to them. The people do it. They copy and paste it because they don't have to do any thinking or, hey, here's this social post. Can you go post it? Like the, that, this is what people want. Like they want to make money and they want, you know, easy content. They want to do less thinking. So yeah, I, I got a bit passionate there, but I hope that uh, those tactical no, I love it. pieces of have the database, use macros if you can, um, yeah. and, you know, use a framework that is very, very simple and, and, uh, I'll pause there. I, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. No, I love the passion. I love the excitement on it. For me, uh, I, I liken that back to, I worked for a tech company at one point. We used to call it lazy tweets and lazy posts. And marketing would put out these like pieces of content to the sales team and just say like, look, we like this. It works. Here's your hashtags. Here's the copy. Just copy paste. And you could see that this engine worked really well to scale up messaging when they released a new product or a new update or whatever it was. It was great. You apply that to partnerships and it gets really sexy, really cool, really quick. So I love your passion, man. Look, if folks want to, um, you know, reach out and get in touch, it's been a great conversation. I'm sure people will want to engage. How do they find you? Where do they reach out? I'm very active on LinkedIn. I create a lot of content, Will Taylor on LinkedIn. And if you want to email me, always happy to have a chat. I give my time up for free. I love helping the ecosystem. W-T-A-Y-L-O-R at reveal.co. Uh, you can reach me there as well if you can't find me on LinkedIn. Will Taylor's an actual, like, actually, it's pretty popular of a name. Uh, so you might not be able to find me. But if you're connected to Barrett, then you'll be able to find me through there. It, we That's the best path. To do it. I love how bold you are putting your email on a recording that goes to the internet. So everyone be nice with that email address. Will, thank you for hanging out. Man, I just really like this conversation. Tactical, effective, and appreciative. 
Folks, if you don't know Reveal, I'm not affiliated with them, but go check it out. Super awesome product. I've used it a bunch. Really impressive way to bring your ecosystem together, to share, and to help each other grow better. And as always, I'm your host, Barrett King. Thank you for listening to another episode of Outcomes. Until next time, and it won't be so long until the next time. Be well, take care, continue partnering. Cheers. Cheers.